0: welcome to the show you
1: guys are gonna have a fabulous time
0: let's get it on the road six years of searching please let this be it i'm jared hall from entertainment weekly welcome to what to watch now normally we'd be counting down today's top three must-see picks from tv and movies but now that we are officially halfway through 2021 somehow We figured it would be a good time to look back on the best of what this year has had to offer. We'll be back to business as usual tomorrow, but today we're taking a look at the shows and movies that wowed us during a dark winter and guided us to some, hopefully, brighter days ahead. To kick things off, I'm joined by EW critics Darren Franich and Kristen Baldwin to discuss the best TV shows of 2021 so far. Kristen and Darren, welcome. How are you? Good. How are
2: you? Hi, Jared. How's it going?
0: Very well, thank you. Happy to have both of you here um, because uh, you both watch a lot of TV, and we just put out these great lists. So I want to tell everyone about them. So, so let's get into it. Your, uh, your, both of your lists include some fantastic picks, and I don't want to give them all away here because folks should check out your picks at EW.com, but I do want to mention a few. Netflix's Cobra Kai, Dave on FXX, and Pose, which just wrapped up its three-season run on FX, but I want to get into both of your number one picks. So, Darren, I'll start with you. Evil, formerly of CBS, now on Paramount+. What is it about this show that stands out from the pack for you. I just
2: think Evil is one of the most distinctive shows on television right now. Uh, when it debuted on CBS, you sort of have the structure of a supernatural mystery, I would say, very much initially felt like it was in the area of the X-Files with characters who are tasked mm-hmm. by the Catholic Church with investigating maybe miracles, maybe possessions, maybe the presence of demons, mm-hmm. could be all kinds of things. And, you know, creators Michelle and Robert King are just so good at t- taking the structure of a procedural And kind of turning it into a laboratory for a little bit of everything, Uh, you know, the the main actors are all just so charming and so kind of amazingly adept at juggling all the different tones of the show. This is a series that can be really, really scary, really, really funny. Uh, Whenever Michael Emerson is on screen, it's kind of both. He is playing the sort of chief antagonist of the show (laughs) who seems to be either devil related or just a kind of monstrous Internet troll unbounded (laughs) in the real world. Um, what I love about season two, which, you know, was very long delayed because of COVID and is now on Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. It's one of two main reasons to get Paramount Plus. Kristen might address the other one in a second. Um, <laughs> yes. But, uh, you know, it just it just feels like it's the best combination to me of old fashioned and really kind of out there where each episode does tell this really sharp interesting story about these people investigating something. Um, Well, it's also telling this larger, mythological, totally absurd at times, but always very rooted in character uh, story about these people juggling these larger spiritual matters. So it's it's just a show that constantly surprises me, which I think is what I kind of look for most in television.
0: And that other show that uh, you mentioned that that Kristen uh, has on her list is uh, The Good Fight. I I know both of you, so many people, are fans, big fans of Michelle and Robert King. So what is it about the two of these as creators that excites both of you the most?
1: I mean, I think what I love the most about them is that they really do combine the best of both worlds in that they give you great procedural stories in familiar settings, but they do it in a new and surprising and really smart and often very weird way um and with the good fight you know that's a show that it's a lawyer show it's about lawyers in chicago but there it just it has you know a musical interludes it has soliloquies it has uh animation it has and then it has like christine bryansky and andre mcdonald and these incredible cast members and the new season you know, uh, we've seen the first four episodes, and even though they're losing some key cast members, Delroy Lindo and Kush Jumbo, uh, the first four episodes are really, really strong. And just, keep you know, they just keep finding ways to tackle tricky questions about our, you know, modern society, whether it's about the law, whether it's about morality, whether it's about politics, and do it in a way that... It's surprising and entertaining and really uh, thought-provoking.
0: Mm-hmm. Darren, what's your take on them?
2: Kristen, used the words confident and surprising, and those are the things that come to mind the most when I think about the kings is their ability to take these stories that at least initially in their foundation might seem familiar and then just constantly take them in so many different stylistic directions, so many narrative directions, the way that the characters kind of constantly surprise you. Um, You know, we live in a time now where these extraordinarily high-budget, out-there concepts get made into dramas and, you know, that can be fun, but a lot of times I find that, especially when it comes to Netflix dramas, there's just not enough there to actually make a full tv show and i just feel like with the kings they're such true tv storytellers and their ability to make every episode feel special and feel like they're really doing something so truly kind of radical mm-hmm. with the material at times um, i just think that that's so fun and it's so it's great to me that they have found a footing in this insane world we live in, on Paramount yeah. Plus, with two <laughs> TV shows airing weekly this summer, like this, this is, they are truly the kings of summer, as far as I'm concerned. Aww.
0: Yeah. Yeah, in and, and more ways than one. Yeah. All right. So, Kristen, let's dive into your number one pick, which I don't know, dare I say, has kind of quickly emerged as a possible threat to Ted Lasso, which everyone thought, you know, that was the comedy series that could not be beat at this year's uh, upcoming Emmys. Uh, the show I'm talking about is Hacks on HBO Max. Uh, this show has... So many fantastic elements going for it. So please break it down.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I believe it was last year or the year before when we were talking to Jean Smart, who stars in the show, uh, mm-hmm. for Watchmen for The Awardist. She mentioned, you know, oh, my next project, It's I'm really excited about it. It's about comedians. And I was like, oh, because, <laughs> you know, shows about comedians aren't necessarily ever that good. It's hard to write a good show about what it takes to be funny. But in fact, you know, th- this show—what it does—is it show—it's really more about the characters than about the art of being a stand-up. You know, she plays Deborah Vance, a legendary Las Vegas comedian uh, who is coming up on 2,500 shows, but she's—you know. Starting to get pushed off stage by younger and hipper acts, and she's paired up with a millennial, uh, very opinionated, very currently canceled writer named Ava, played by Hannah Einbinder, and they are just two women from very different worlds but both operating in comedy and their relationship to each other and how they learn more about each other and come to understand their commonalities that's what the show is and it's incredibly funny and just very moving at times and Jane Smart I mean there is simply no way she can't win the Emmy uh for lead actress in a comedy I just I won't accept anything else.
0: <laughs> there are sometimes shows that come along that, you know, the success of it hinges upon that performance. And this show, I think, is one of those. If she weren't as good, the show would not be as good.
1: A hundred percent. And, you know, Hannah Einbinder is really good, too. And yeah. there's a great, you know, cast as well. But it's just, I just love that Jean Smart, who has been working for decades, yeah. is like currently just going through this killer run, you know, Watchmen, mm-hmm. Mayor of Easttown. By the way, she'll probably be nominated in Sporting Drama yeah. for Mayor of Easttown. And now Hacks, she's just more Jean Smart in everything, please.
0: Yeah, well, uh, you guys have uh, chosen some really incredible shows for your best of. I highly encourage everyone uh, to check out the lists. And then if you haven't already, check out the shows. So Darren and Kristen, thanks to you both.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: All right, it's trivia time. As Kristen said, 2021's TV MVP, Jean Smart, could take home two Emmys this year. But she actually won on her first ever nomination for a guest role on what sitcom? Friends, Frasier, or Family Ties? Stick around for the answer and to hear about the best movies of 2021 so far. What to Watch will be right back. wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. Now it is time to turn our attention to the big screen, even though we've spent a lot of this year still watching movies on small screens. But as we head into the back half of 2021, movie theaters are opening up again, blockbusters are making a big comeback, and we're looking forward to a resurgent run of festivals this fall. In the meantime, I'm now joined by EW critic-at-large Leah Greenblatt to talk about the best movies of 2021 so far. Hello there, Leah. How are you? Hi, Jared. Hi. So let's get into this. You have a list of 10 movies so far this year that you think are the best of 2021. Uh, uh, some great selections on here, some ones that we really love here at EW, folks will find uh, in the Heights. And uh, one of my favorites of the year so far, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Um, <laughs> but there are uh, there are a couple other entries here that are, are uh, really interesting. And I really want to highlight here for, for everyone who's listening let's start with the animation shall we at uh, number eight is kind of uh, it's split between two movies tell everyone about those and why they're on your list
3: all right well I put Luca and Raya and the Last Dragon mostly because I think we tend to expect so much now from sort of Disney and Pixar like best picture kind of stuff you know we get mm-hmm. Inside Out we get Soul these sort of huge epic movies and I picked these partly just because they're sort of modestly scaled that is not a dragon pun i mm. swear to god i'm sorry but <laughs> but like uh. you know they, they're they they do not have songs they're not like these huge productions yeah. they're pretty humble stories but they're about mm. sort of being different and being weird and having big dreams and i just thought they were really kind of sweet and funny and i like that they aren't trying to be enormous movies they still look great
0: Right. Right. Totally. And, you know, that's the thing with all movies really sometimes is that those ones that you can just kind of sit with and let the story play out are sometimes, I mean, look at Nomadland is a perfect example of that. And I feel like certainly in a way like Luca did that. It was just this wonderful story that you just wanted more of it. It's beautiful.
3: And I can't take credit for this, but there was a headline that called it Calamarmi by your name <laughs> and, because it is yes. about a fish boy in a beautiful Italian yes. coastal town and his friendship with another fish boy. But yeah, I just, and you know, and Ryan the Last Dragon, like that broke a bunch of boundaries just in terms of having an Asian female heroine and basically no love Mm -hmm. interest, just a bunch of girls kind of like kicking ass and finding dragons. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, so they are revolutionary in their own ways, but they're just fun, sweet stories that I think connect to kids, but also don't like make parents want to pull their fingernails out if they have to sit and watch these movies with their kids they can actually enjoy them
0: very good point okay so let's talk about number three one that is very much more uh, for the parents <laughs> in the audience and uh admittedly one that um i've not really heard much about uh so tell everyone about writers of justice
3: that's why i love these half yearly lists okay so at the end of the year it's pretty unlikely that you will have not heard of any of the movies on the list but because we're sort of ahead of the whole like fall and winter award season, when everyone rolls out their big Oscar bait, we get to talk about these sort of smaller and more eccentric movies that are usually put in the you know in the other parts of the calendar where they're not competing with every tentpole. Right. Writers of Justice is a Danish. Suicide Squad on a budget, I think, is how I described it. Yeah. Okay, Mads Mickelson, who like, come on. I mean, his track record at this point. He is <laughs> right. he is truly like our Scandinavian treasure. But it's this it's, just sort of ridiculous action comedy about a guy whose wife and daughter are in a train explosion in Copenhagen and his wife is killed. I promise that's not a spoiler, it happens in like the first ten minutes and he has to figure out who did it. It may or may not be this biker gang that's been involved in some sort of shady business in the city, but he gets this kind of ragtag crew of scientists and researchers and his teenage daughter that he's estranged from to try to figure out what's happened. And he has rage problems. He's not very good at solving things with, you know, talk and logic, Mm -hmm. but it's just such a sharp, funny script, and it's about family, and it's about sort of, All of these things that aren't suicide squatty, but it also has really fun, good Mm -hmm. action, and I just kind of loved it.
0: I mean, you're saying a lot of things that I love about a movie like this. When you first started describing it, I thought also maybe it has a little hint of Taken, but really only in that way that like (laughs) Liam Neeson's always trying to just like protect his family.
3: It's actually almost sort of like a a satire or a riff on Taken because he thinks he knows, It's, it's like a daddy thinks he knows best sort of thing. But it turns out that his tools for handling stuff, because Mod's character is this very mercenary sort of career military man, and he thinks the way mm. to get answers is to squeeze them out of someone with his hands. And he sort of learns that his methods may not be working and also may be preventing him from having a relationship with his really smart and cool teenage daughter.
0: All right, I'm sold. I'm going to be checking this out right away. Uh, I think lots of others will want to as well. And by the way, everyone should check out Leah's full list, her top 10 of the best movies of 2021 so far at EW.com. Leah, it's always a pleasure to chat movies with you. Thanks for joining me. Yeah,
3: and there's a, I even put some bonus ones on the list beyond the top 10. There's, there's more than enough good stuff.
0: Yes, plenty of great movies so far. Thanks, Leah. Thank you. And lastly today, the answer to our trivia question. Jean Smart won her first Emmy on her first ever nomination for a guest role on what sitcom, Friends, Frasier, or Family Ties? Cheers to you if you got this one. The answer is Frasier. Smart actually won back-to-back Emmys for Best Guest Actress in a Comedy in 2000 and 2001 for her role as Frasier's high school crush, Lana Gardner. edited and produced by Joshua Heller, hosted and produced by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Shana Naomi Crockmall and Carly Usdin.